Hello. In this episode, I sit down and I talk with Jocelyn Rowland. We talk about single parenthood. We talk about women's health and hormones. We talk about her walk with the Lord in ways and things that she's learned and grown, um, areas that she's grown in. We talk about her beautiful kid. We talk about BPAs and food and hormones and nourishment. We talk about so many things and I hope you enjoy and learn um, from this conversation as much as I did. Hello, Miss Jocelyn. How's it going? Hello, Liz. Um, okay, so I feel like, okay, we I was just on the phone with Justin right now and he said that we talk for hours and it's so true. Yes. I feel like you're one of those people that we go down some rabbit holes of some dark black holes. <laughs> I just feel like um I'll never forget <laughs> one of the first times that you and I kind of officially hung out was that we went to Cafe Smitten. Yes. And we went down a rabbit hole of like health and <laughs> like <laughs> I we sat and talked for like an hour and I left and I'm like I never talk about weird stuff like that this with anybody. How did this even happen? And that's kind of been the theme of our friendship, I feel like. I feel like it's the theme of most of my friendships. If you know me, I have interesting thoughts and usually they run away with me. And you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's pretty fun. Um so tell me a little bit about yourself. I, that question's always so tough, but tell me just just a little bit about you. Who okay. are you? Well, tell the people. My name's Jocelyn. I'm 28 years old. Um, I am. I was homeschooled, actually. Maybe you didn't know this until high school, and graduated from high school early. Uh, went on to get my AA in English, and then I went to work for a finance company. And shortly thereafter, I got pregnant with my daughter Mila. And I had her at 22 years old. She is now five. And after she was born, I quit my job and I went to work full time for my mom's company, Monarch Nutrition. It's a gluten-free keto bakery here locally in Bakersfield, California. And I am director of operations. Awesome. That was a pretty good summary of your life. Um, so tell me a little about your homeschooling experience. Oh boy. I know. I want to okay. know about this because we've, I knew you were, yes. but I don't think we've ever talked in detail about that experience in your life. So how many kids? Okay. So total, I have three older brothers and then there's me and then I have two younger sisters. So six kids total. And, you know, it was regimented like militant almost. My mom ran a tight ship and I, you know, I'm really glad she did. I think that is part of why I have a lot of discipline in my life to be able to achieve my goals. She was always researching, always experimenting. Um, she was trying recipes, which we can get into later as to how that tied into her business and our business now. But, um, it was interesting. My siblings are my best friends to this day. My sisters were incredibly close and it was unique. But, you know, I think that experience of being homeschooled really taught us. We thought outside the box like and that's probably what most people are going to experience with me. <laughs> like you said, <laughs> I know. So when you're homeschooled, what is what does the learning look like? 
So every family, I think, has a very unique homeschool style. Um, Our family in particular, we got up at a specific time. We had chores because we had five acres and lots of farm animals. So we were doing the whole nine yards of animals, cooking your own food, growing your own food, herb gardens. So and she integrated a lot of that into our education, but we had a block of time in the morning, probably three or four hours that we specifically attended to like our studies. And then our afternoons would be more free time to read books, cultivate art. Um, A lot of us played instruments. I played violin for five or six years growing up. So that was sort of the structure until I got older and then I had a more formal education. So when you started going, okay, you graduated early. I did. I was graduated 2012. Technically, I should have been graduating 2013. And so then you decided to go straight into get your associate's degree in English. Yeah. What were, what was your plan with that degree? Did you? So I just really loved history. I loved English. I loved Jane Austen. I loved all the old classics and my plan originally. Well, actually, I'm going to back up. My first stated degree was dietitian. So I was going to go into nutrition. But when I actually reached that point of picking a degree, I chose English because I was interested in nutrition, but a lot of the information that I was interested in wasn't really covered by a typical degree in nutrition. So I chose English because that was kind of my second love. And I was willing to teach with it. I wasn't sure if I would use it as a homeschool mother one day or even, you know, teaching formally at a school or anything like that. So that was sort of the the idea behind why I picked English. So then that transition from homeschool to more of a public education, was it kind yes. of a shell shock? Like what was that experience like? Well, I had the experience of going to BCHS where I did hybrid studies. I did some independent studies, some I attended on class, class on campus. And then when I graduated, um, I was also uh, enrolled at BC for some college classes my senior year of high school. So I kind of had adjusted and gotten used to like a more you know, formal education. And then when I graduated from high school, I moved to Morro Bay and attended Cuesta College for two years. Okay. I I did not know that part. So BC is Bakersfield College and Cuesta College is where? In San Luis Obispo. Obispo. So then you ended up getting your AA degree and then you decided, well, then Mila. Well, uh, so I was actually waiting because there's this time frame where you can apply differently for like loans and grants when you're 24. And I was ahead. So I stopped. And I'm like, I'm just going to take a year. And I went to work, like I said, for um, I got my license in health and life insurance. And I went to work for a life insurance company for a year. And I, my plan was to return to school, but then I got pregnant. Yeah. So then Mila. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about that whole experience with you finding out that, you know, you were pregnant, you were going through just, you were going to be, you ended up being a single mom. Yes. And I remember, um, I didn't know you as well back then. Yeah. But I knew that 
it was a little bit of a rough transition say to say the least. Um, tell me about that. Okay. Well, it was shocking. I was not planning for it. I'm not going to say I was planning for it. I, you know, at the time I was in a relationship where it could have happened. So it did happen. (laughs) But anyway, um, it was an interesting transition. You know, I, I've thought a lot about this and I think something that God really taught me during that time in my life. I think we all have this blueprint of what we think our life's going to be like. And I had all the boxes I was going to check, you know, degree, job, career, wedding, family. And then it was, you know, this, I'm going to say a wonderful disruption to that plan because she's amazing, but it was a shocker. And I had to really think about, you know, what am I going to do now? And I think something I had to really pray about and let go of was like my own expectations. And that was probably my come to Jesus moment. Cause like you said, we knew each other and I had been raised a Christian my whole life. And I would say that there was just it, you know, salvation didn't really quite click for me. I understood the rules, but I didn't understand the magnitude of his love for me. And when I gave birth to Mila, I just remember looking down and just like, she was so perfect, so beautiful. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I just felt like God just was whispering to me, like, I'm with you. I'm here with you. I'm going to carry you through this. And he has. So I love that Mila is a truly remarkable kid. She's articulate and funny and silly. She loves pink. She's Um, amazing. She's, she's a hoot. I (laughs) sometimes when I call and she gets on the phone, I'm like, who is this little woman? She's, she's just a cool human. Um, She's five and she like cooks her own eggs. Yeah, she is very <laughs> invested in cooking. Um, she loves to like come alongside myself and my mom and learn all the things. And, you know, that was something my mom did with us. Like she used measuring cups, for instance, to teach us math. And like those are things that are easy and fun to incorporate with your kids when you're homeschooling and you can use that alternative method. And I totally see her loving it and enjoying it. I walked into the kitchen the other day and my mom was teaching her how to measure in grams and she's teaching her math and you know she's just loving it and she feels like one of the girls and she tells me all the time like oh I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a mommy one day and she's just so excited for it so it's pretty it's pretty special yeah and I love I love that so much because you have such a cool bond obviously with your daughter but it's so different because of how I feel like you've always talked to her like an adult yes and I I always um I always noticed that Ever yes. since she was little, you would talk to her as if she was a little adult. And I feel like um, she expresses herself so well and in everything. <laughs> she has her own opinion. <laughs> well, you know, what's so fascinating about that. And this also comes, I'd say, from my mom's approach. But um, just understanding how smart a baby is. And I think like on our culture, oftentimes we don't really assess their intelligence and they're so smart. I've seen this with her from such a young age. Like she was 
so quick to pick up on words and these things. And, you know, a lot of things that she did, people might think, oh, she's too young for that. But actually, like meeting them where they're at and cultivating that, um, like, really brings them along in their maturity and they don't want to be treated like a baby. And I think me as mom, of course, I want to baby her and be like, oh, my, you know, my little girl. But she'll tell me even now she's like, I am a big girl, mom. And she's like, you know, has a plan. And I think letting them grow at their pace, not what we want, because it's sad to see them age. You know, it's a little sad. It's like, oh, there goes my baby. But it's also really special to let them grow and thrive in the areas that they need to. Yeah, I, I just, she's just, she's just a cool kid, um, which I haven't seen her in a while. She's probably so much taller. <laughs> she is growing like a weed oh, right now. She's so cute. She's almost as tall as me. <laughs> well, that's not saying much. Else. I know. Kind I'm of a miniature. shrimp. <laughs> it's fine. Shrimp club. Um, so when you, I know that there's a lot of dynamics between the church and premarital yes. pregnancy. Um, did you ever experience weirdness around all of that from people? Like how you get what I'm asking? Yes, I do understand the question. So, you know, what's so funny is that I don't even know if it was as much other people as my own preconceived feelings of, I'm going to use the word shame because I did feel a certain sense of shame. Um, and it wasn't because of my daughter, just to be clear. It was, I think, just the stigma of being an unwed mother. And I remember it was I couldn't I couldn't go to church during my pregnancy. But what was so beautiful about it is that God put just the right people in my life to touch me where I needed healing during my pregnancy and speak into my life. And when I did um, have Mila very shortly thereafter, I think you remember this. I actually came to yours in Justin's Bible study and I was like, I was ready to go. I, I just, I knew right after she was born, I, like I said, I just made this commitment to God and it's been far from perfect. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, but there was, I just made this commitment to him. Like, this is your child. I am raising her for you. And I was just excited at that point because I understood the father's love for me because I understood my love for her. And it, tra it totally transformed Christianity for me. So to back up and answer your question, there were a few people that reached out to me and had some things to say. And I can actually look at what they said at this point in my life. It was offensive at the time, but I genuinely think the intentions were actually good, that they were worried about me, um, you know, approaching this conversation from like a Christian perspective. They were worried about me and they did, I think, have my best intentions, I think. But what I received more than anything, I will say, is an outpouring of love from the church when I came to... Bible study, like I said, under you and Justin, all I ever felt was people that were encouraging me along the way. So, you know, there will always be that one person that's the naysayer, but I do always try to advocate and tell people like the church as a whole, I've experienced huge love from both Valley Bible and my church now, Canyon Hills. 
I like that you said that because I think anytime we step outside of, I'm going to say a box or a bubble, right? When I, those box and bubble can always represent um, just kind of a dogmatic viewpoint, right? Yeah. And I think that when somebody doesn't follow Christianity, there's two completely conflicting viewpoints, right? There's this aspect of, wow, like you have, you wait till have sex till you're married, you get married, you have the family, you follow the Lord. And it's like seemingly this perfect plan, right? Right. Which when you're a Christian, that is how God designed it. But we as humans, we add these things and it's like, well, it's not because God wanted us to be, you know, he wants, it's like, oh, well, you just need to be this, this, and this, and here's all these rules. Right. I think like you and I have talked about how I always see God's guidelines and rules as a way to protect us. Right. Because I also know, like, like you said, and I love how you said it, she was such a beautiful addition to your life. 100%. And, you know, I, I can see looking back on it, that that was my unique story for my salvation. And what's interesting is oftentimes, like we're talking about that checklist of like, don't commit these sins. And we're, they're there out of protection because I 100% believe in waiting until marriage. And, you know, I'm in a relationship right now where we have that standard and it's wonderful. And I, I will always advocate for that standard. But then what really brings us to Christ usually is our sin. It's the recognition that we're a sinner. So that was my path, you know, and you're going to end up with a lot of people in the church with these unique histories because it's not doing things right that causes us to be aware of our need for him. See, I, a quote I really love by C.S. Lewis, he talks about how it's through our efforts to be good that we realize how much we aren't good. And that's where we realize the need for our savior. And that was a rough paraphrase, but it really spoke to me because I think that we have to realize there are people coming into the church, even though I'm going to advocate for that to be a healthy thing in relationships to wait till marriage. You also need to see where these people are coming from that are coming in to the church or may have been in the church that have not had that interaction with Christ as our savior. So I think, and I love that because you, we assume that we know where people are at. Right. And we have no idea. And, and I look at like your life and I see where you were at when you were 22 years old. It was where you were at when you were 22 years old. Yeah. And we, as humans, we, it was like age appropriate. If that, if that makes sense at that time, like we, we do things, we, while I think where the shame came from for you and correct me if I'm wrong, was this like you said, like, okay, this expectation, but also like, this isn't really what I planned. Right. You know, and because you didn't know the Lord in that way yet, it was as if like, it was just like, oh no, like I just broke a rule as opposed to like, oh no, like I just stepped out a little bit of where God wanted right. me to be initially. But then the coolest part is, is, and they said this at church today and this, this verse is very well known. It's 
you know, Romans 8, 28, right? For God causes all things to work together for good for according to his purpose. Absolutely. Right. And I see so much, Jocelyn, of I've known you and walked like and seen you with Mila and how much you've grown closer in your walk with God and how you've accepted his love and his forgiveness and his grace on your life and how much you've grown and and matured. And because at 22, we're all still babies, babies, babies. We all are like, (laughs) I'm figuring it out. I look at my 22 year old self and I'm like, Oh my word, the things I said and did and participated in, the things I tried, I experimented, whatever we want to go down the line. And, and it's like, there was a lot of heartache there. And also that's where I, I look at people and I'm like, who am I to ever say where that person is? Exactly. Because if somebody were to catch me and only base my life off of what they knew from when I was 22 years old or when I was 15 or when I was 18 or geez Louise, when I was 25 years old, if they were to just base it off of those decisions, then they would never see that. I know now I won't, I won't make those same choices. Not that there are some regrets, like that's part of it, but also those things are the things that keep me humble and grounded to know, like you said, that I'm apart from the Lord, I can do nothing. And apart from God, I am just as just, I can be judgmental. I can be harsh. I can, but knowing the Lord, it keeps me grounded and saying like, Hey, we're all just humans. Like, and I, but in that humanness, I know where to go. Exactly. And I think for me, in my experience, you know, um, trying to think about like the words on how to say this, it really did just teach me about God's love in his rules for us. And it, my shame wasn't associated with my child at all. I zero shame as to uh, she is the best thing that will ever happen to me and a saving grace in my life. Yeah. But I think what was hard for me was the recognition that I had made a decision that now my child is going to potentially suffer because it's not how God designed it to be. And that I, the only thing I can say, if there's anyone listening that's in that spot that really healed and was like balm to my heart was God's grace and his forgiveness. And I loved him so much for that grace that I was like, God, it's, it's gotta be your way now. It has to be your way. And I, admittedly did not do this perfectly all of the time but my desire I just I started praying right then like it doesn't matter if I'm single the rest of my life help me do this your way and he gives us strength every single day just one day at a time how how did you start to find what God's way was I think the thing I started to do mostly was pray. Um, it sounds elementary, but prayer is so big and kind of tuning out opinions unless they were people that had proven to be someone in my life that had consistently been like a loving, close presence and understood, you know, my life. Um, obviously, I believe in 
an element of biblical submission. And my father, I'm unmarried. I feel like I fall under my father's headship and he has been a tremendous source of leadership in my life. And, you know, I can't even say how grateful I am for that. But for a long time, I couldn't even see the gift that that was. And after I had my daughter, I had kind of this like revelation as to all of his caution wasn't to keep me from all of these good things like I thought you know, how we think as kids, like our parents are trying to keep us from having fun. (laughs) It was actually protective. So I think that was part of it. And then scripture. Um, I, I love listening to old school teachers. Like you and I've talked about Elizabeth Elliot. I think she's amazing. And she was huge in my walk because she lost two husbands. So she went through singleness and single motherhood, not for the same reasons that I did, but she walked it. And I just loved that she always said, you choose how you see your situation. And everything is from the father if we choose to see it. And it's a gift. How do you make single motherhood into a gift in your life? And I think that's where I really tried to apply that truth. Yeah. And so, and I just, I don't know. I just love it. I just think that it's such a, I think that it's easy for us to be so hard on ourselves. Right. And like, and I love what you said earlier. You said like, it wasn't so much that people were saying things. There's always going to be people saying something that we can't help that. But as a whole, you felt like it was just mostly your own feelings of, of shame and guilt. And again, not around Mila, but just around, oh no, I guess I don't look perfect to everybody. (laughs) Well, isn't that like that Adam and Eve moment? Like you want to cover yourself because, oh no, I sinned. And And it's such an evident thing. Well, here's a belly. It's so obvious. And (laughs) and where, where a lot of other sins, no one's ever going to know behind closed doors what you do, but pregnancy is just such an evident thing, which it's so wild to me. Like what we're talking about this right now. Right. And it's so funny because I'm like, there are some sins that are just a little more public. Right. But they're all the same people. Yeah. And we all <laughs> have that urge to cover it. Like it, absolutely. we all know that feeling of I messed up. I don't want people to know, or I don't want to hear people's opinion or don't tell me I'm wrong. All of those feelings, you know, you go through this host of emotions. And I think, um, yeah, like I said, but in God's goodness, he uses even that, like you said, he uses all things for our good. He uses that to bring us to him because we all have to be there to be, know we're a sinner and know we need him. Yeah. And it's such a, I always, I talk to a lot of people who aren't Christian and I always try to put myself in their shoes because I grew up in the church and this is all I've ever known. Right. And so I, I always try to step outside of this because if, if you're not Christian, this sounds crazy. 100%. It's so weird. It is. It's so weird. And, and I just try to like, tell people, listen, like when they have questions about, well, why is this a quote? Why is this? I'm using air quotes. You can't see, but 
I'm using, why, why is this a quote unquote sin? Why is this, why is that so bad? Why? And I'm, and I, I try to tell people like step outside of good and bad for a moment, right? Like step outside of what's good, what's bad and what is, who do, who do I know God to be? And what is he asking of me in that moment? Because there are things that I feel in my relationship with the Lord that God asks of me now that he never would have asked of me 10 years ago. Right. Ever. Like the person that I was back then just couldn't, I wasn't mature enough. Like for a long time, I felt like he, this is a whole taboo topic too, but I felt like he didn't want me to have any alcohol at all. Right. And so for years I didn't. Yes. And as I got older, I felt like, okay, like, I don't feel any temptation to like, I shouldn't say any, like there's been days where, and I have like a rule about alcohol for myself that it's like, if I'm having a bad day, I don't ever drink right. because it's something that for me, I believe that, and that's biblical for me is that we, not to get drunk. We want to be of sound and clear mind. Right. Yes. And so for me, I try not to say that I haven't had screw ups or, and that I beat myself up for days on ends if it, if it happened. But it was like in that moment, I felt like God was teaching me discipline because the moment I felt like he, he wanted me to abstain from alcohol or stop just for whatever reason, I got mad. Well, yes. why? What's wrong with drinking? What's blah, blah, blah. And I felt this attitude come out. Mm, that's good. And I felt like then I felt like God was saying, this is why, because it, I was so rebellious yes, to any type of rules at all. And I would <laughs> say that I had a definite, I, on the outside, you wouldn't have been able to perceive that, but I definitely had my own agenda and it was a rebellion towards God. I had not submitted every area. And I think we even do this as Christians. We submit the big things sometimes, or maybe not the big things, but we'll, we'll, let's say we submit our love life to God. But did we submit our career to God? Did we submit our children to God? Did we submit everything to God's will? I think, and that's what I was doing. I, I had things that I held on to. I held on to the idea of what my future was going to look like. I held on to the idea of who I wanted to choose to be in a relationship with, which, you know, I, I made all of these decisions. And I think God allows us to do that. He said, okay, make your decisions. And eventually we come to the end of ourselves and realize his way is better. My way sucks. Every time. <laughs> Every time I fall on my face. <laughs> Every time that I try, yeah, try to do. Help me. <laughs> exactly. Every time. And I think that that's why I have stayed in my walk with the Lord all these years, because Again, growing up in church, I've I've gone back and forth to like, this is the weirdest thing. This is so weird. And I and I will tell myself that. I even have battles sometimes with Justin. I'm like, Christianity is so weird. The Bible is why does it say this? What kind of what is this? Right. But I go back to it because at the end of the day, I feel like I know the Lord and I feel like I have a relationship with him. And never ever has he asked me to do something that steered me wrong. Ever. I I think of the verses in Psalm 23 and, you know, it says, um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And sometimes I think we really struggle with thinking and believing 
I will not want for anything outside of what I need if I trust him. And we get scared and we're holding on to things. Well, I need I need a relationship. I need a family. I need this job. I need money. Like, come on, God, I need money, you know? <laughs> and I think something that I just, I really feel like he's taught me through the past five years of even being a mother to Mila is that, and my own single motherhood is that he's going to provide everything that I need. And I don't need to be afraid of this. And I I want to speak to this for women that maybe they're single and do have children and maybe they don't. I, I'm in a relationship right now, but maybe they're in that season of still there is no man in their life, you know, or maybe they're, you're a single father as well. And you don't, for whatever reason, you could be divorced, you know, it could be widowhood, all of these reasons. And he's going to provide you what you need. You don't have to go find it. He knows. Yeah. And math, like Matthew six thirty three, when you're talking, I had to make sure that I got it right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Mm-hmm. And that word seek, you're looking, you're, you're diligently trying to find God and, and not just like, God, where are you? But like, when I read God's word, I, when I'm confused, when I have moments of, I don't understand why this is in here, it's okay, God, but what am I seeing about your character in this? Like, and I, and taking it for the theme of what the God, what God's word is, right? There's always themes in every story. There's a theme, whether it's grace, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's self-control, whether it's discipline, whether it's revenge, whether it's justice, like there's always a theme, right? Um, But seek first, like God, who are you? What is your character? What is, and, and, and what, what do you say? Not what these people say, not what I even say, but what do you say about this? Right. And taking it back to his word. And, and it, it, again, it never fails me ever. I can't, I can't think of a time, even in those moments when I've been waiting for, for things in those moments where I'm hurt in moments, whatever it is, like he's just never left me. Ever. <laughs> yeah. That, and that surrender, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. And there's a lot of things that, especially when you're a hard situation, things don't look good and it's scary. And we have to walk in that faith that once again, he's good. He is going to come through for you. And that doesn't mean he's going to give you everything you pray for. You know, even that sometimes is his goodness. Like I can think of so many things that I've prayed for that God said, no. And I said, why God, why God, why God? Fast forward two years and you look in that rear view mirror and it's okay, God, I get it. And as you kind of practice that, I think in your life, how much more trust you build with him because you know, his plan is perfect and he's protecting you. Yeah. And that's so true. Like I remember getting out of a very long relationship. I was in it for about five years and there was a couple of people after that. You just kind of date casually or whatever. Right. And I remember feeling like, um, Lord, like, please just make this work. This relationship, please yeah. like change them, make them, <laughs> you know, be, I know that they have potential, let them be who they need to be. Right. And in that moment, it was so devastating to my core. Like right. I look back at, um, there was somebody that I had dated and I was like, 
I was so in love with this person. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, like I cannot. And I had ended up because of my past, I had made some mistakes and it didn't work out. It was my fault. And I remember feeling like, I can't believe I just ruined this relationship because of my past and trauma. And I won't go down that rabbit hole of the choices that I made in that moment. (laughs) But that, that poor guy was a, just a bystander of my mess. And I had messed up that relationship. And I felt like I, in that God wanted me to let that go but I was so devastated by it. Like I will, ne- I can't believe I ruined that relationship. And for years I just felt so like, I was just like, I, I'm just screwed up. Like I'm never going to find the person ever, you know? And then like you said, fast forward to, you know, and my husband, I meet Justin and it was like, this is why. Yeah. This is why I let that person go. And not that I needed to make those mistakes because Again, I I felt so bad that I wasn't in a healthy enough place to treat that person well. Um, but God, again, according to his purpose, used yes. it for his good. And I met my husband and it's we're going on 10 years. But in that moment, Jocelyn, it was awful feeling yeah. just so almost the word I want. I don't want to use the word desperate, but I felt desperate. And I think that's a great word to use as You know, I think a lot of times society attaches value to women that don't have children yet. And there is a stigma. I mean, let's just talk about that. It's hard sometimes to be an unmarried parent. And I've heard all of the things, you know, about how people feel about that in the dating world. But You know, I think it's very important not to let what other people think when you're in that place affect how you see yourself. And I think it can be a really easy thing to start making poorer decisions because of that state of desperation. And I think that that's why I was saying I had to let go of any idea of a romantic relationship because I needed to surrender that to God. It wasn't because I thought, oh, God doesn't isn't going to give me something good or any of these thoughts. It was that I needed to surrender that so that I was under his protection from making other poor decisions, you know, and I like I said, I think that can be a really scary time in somebody's life. And it's like you tend to want to settle because you feel that stigma kind of like what you were just talking about with your own past. It makes us think, oh, I need to settle in this way. But anyway. And I was like, I look back now and I'm like, there were so many flags and areas that that person didn't meet what I wanted. Right. At for a spouse. And my husband checks off and exceeds every expectation that I ever had of a husband and beyond to Things that I didn't even know I needed or know I wanted, he he exceeds them far beyond. And that person, it's while I cared for them so deeply at that time, doesn't even compare, like yeah, by billions of miles to what how I feel about my husband, you know. And so even with you in your life, like you've been through this stuff, like what makes you choose to follow 
you know, waiting to have, you know, that's a great question. (laughs) So my first reason is it's in scripture. It's God's command. I don't have to understand why. You know, I think a lot of times we do that where we think, oh, I need to understand why God told me that I shouldn't do that. But actually, no, we don't always need to understand. Sometimes we need to trust him. But if we want to talk about that as a protection, I think my experience is a great example to myself that you do get hurt. And it wasn't, you know, just... um There's been many relationships that I've been hurt by, and it was a history of bad decisions on in dating or what I, you know, boundaries I would cross that led to um, being a single mom. So I think that realizing he had ultimately love for me and saying, let me protect you. This is why we're not going to do this over here. And, you know, also, I think when you realize that you're defrauding another person, if they're not your spouse, I think that can be hard sometimes to realize. But if they are not your spouse, it is not yours to take. And if I love that person in the way that Christ would have me love them, I would never take that from their them or their future spouse, because that's me like committing sin personally against that person and their future spouse. Yeah. And you, and that's because you take it seriously. Like for you, your walk with God is important for other people. Sex is casual. Right. And that's their life and that's their choice. And for you, your life and your choice is to take marriage and sex seriously. And it's not, you know, it's not an easy path to walk. I mean, this is this is challenging to walk it, but by the grace of God and his strength, you can do it. And I honestly personally struggled with even understanding how people navigated this area of their life. I wondered all the time, like, is that true that they're doing that? Because I hadn't had that moment of salvation yet in my life. But once I knew Christ and I understood how he does sustain us and that strength that we get um, and understood the big picture a little bit more, it was easier. And, you know, you take baby steps. I was single for a long time. And in that time frame, I developed self-control. Was it perfect? No but I was developing it in my baby walk with Christ, you know, those like infant stages, saying no to things, not going out to the bar, doing, choosing better. And then when I did end up, you know, dating Jeff, it was a whole new learning experience for both of us all over again, you know, setting boundaries and like walking one day at a time, but it's not, you don't build Rome in a day. (laughs) I guess if there's any advice to apply for somebody in that situation, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. Because those are your reasons why you're choosing to do something different for your future, for your future spouse, whatever that looks like. Right. And I think that when you have that relationship with God, you want to honor that. Right. And, And that was like a difficult choice that Justin and I made too. Like, 
we we had discussed that you and I before. It was like there just it wasn't an option. Like yeah. the temptation or the want and desire is there. Like if it's not, I, I'm always going to tell people if the desire is not there, you might have a different problem. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a whole separate issue. It is. We're not talking about like, oh my gosh, God delivered me of any of my attraction to the hormones opposite out. Sex. Hormones are out. We don't ever want to do it ever again. No, that's our bodies are normal. We have desires and wants and there is there are urges like yes. this is normal this is a, how human biology works but i think that that's where people mix things up is like yeah i'm a christian that doesn't mean i'm some prude who doesn't want to do it like that's just yeah. that's not how it is like the desire is <laughs> still very much there however i choose and justin and i chose and you and jeff are choosing to wait for marriage because it's important for you to have and honor Christ in that way and to honor yourselves and to honor eventually marriage, hopefully in that way, you know, but I think that people have it so backwards. It's like self-control is one of the most difficult things to ever learn. A thousand percent. And that isn't a condemnation either. Absolutely My decision not. towards people that have or even are, that's not what we're saying here. Um, it's simply giving you a perspective on why we personally are choosing this. Mm -hmm. If you're not a Christian, like, you know, you don't even adhere to these standards. Like it doesn't even apply to you, but just to give you an idea of like why we choose it. Yeah, right? exactly. And I love that you said that because I made choices before too. Like it, it's uh, not yeah. like I lived this perfect life. Like, but again, like it, once I decided and, and it, it goes back to what we were saying, like, you don't know until you know, like there were things that I chose to do before I was before. It, it's just, you grow, you grow as a human, right. you grow as a person. So absolutely condemnation if you, but if you are in a relationship and you're feeling like, Ooh, every time we do it, I feel really bad. That's conviction. And maybe consider yes. like, okay, if I'm feeling guilty about this, why? If I'm feeling weird about having sex outside of marriage or like if after that interaction of, with somebody, you're feeling emptier, ask yourself why? Well, why am I feeling empty? Is it because I'm feeling used? Is it because I'm feeling, you know, Whatever that reason is, I can't say for you. And if you're just living your life, live your life. But if there's a reason and you're feeling something, start asking those questions about why. Because for me, in my past relationships, like I did have those emotions of, and it was because I knew that I was outside of what God's perfect plan for my life was. Exactly. And, um, but that's a whole other thing, but you're right. Absolutely. It no. is. And I think the other thing is like, you want to have something special between you and your spouse. And that is a good and healthy thing to desire something special between you and your spouse. And I 100% also believe that God can heal and restore in the years leading up to you, you know, finding that spouse. And even if you've had a past, let him do the hard work, sit with him talk to him, like let him get into those deep, dark places and start to heal you so that you have this emotional um, restoration, you know, when you do finally meet the person that you choose to marry. Yeah, man. So 
do you ever hope to one day have more children besides Mila? I would love to have more children. That's 100% in God's hands. Like I think we were just talking about this the other day. We don't know what God's plan is, but if he blesses me with children, I will take all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did is there are there any things that you learned through from that experience of pregnancy and birth and the postpartum part? Like have was there stuff that you learned that you want to do differently or um, challenge yourself for the next yeah. hopeful pregnancy one day? So my journey was interesting with my pregnancy. Um, I did see a doctor and had midwifery care and I ultimately chose to have a home birth. Um, I wouldn't personally, I would choose that again, that I had a great experience. I also have many close friends where it wasn't in the cards for them. You know, circumstances, you have to pray and know what's right for you. And even in the future, you know, it could become an issue where I couldn't actually achieve that. But I was a perfect candidate for it. I was very healthy. Mila was very healthy. And that part of my pregnancy, I would do again. Um, nutritionally, there was a lot I didn't know. And that's sort of something that I've been educating myself on. We've talked a lot about this in the past five years, which uh the our family business, my mom started a business. It's a keto gluten-free bakery. I mentioned that earlier. And one of the things that our products do is they provide people with type 1, type 2 diabetes with an option for food and sweets that aren't going to spike their glucose. So I ha I wasn't working with the business yet, um, but sh my mom and I, to back it up, she and I trained together and did bodybuilding when I was 16 because I had scoliosis and she wanted to help me correct that. So we started lifting and we got really into it and nutrition. We were constantly researching. She'd already had an extensive history in researching um, food science, et cetera, and studied that. So long story short, I guess I'm having to back up so people understand sort of the background there. She, I did a bodybuilding show at 18 years old. And when I was headed into my second show, I was headed to a national show and I had a really well-known trainer um, and I found a lump in my breast. So I did something called thermography, not a biopsy. And I was at high risk for breast cancer, which my grandma had had breast cancer. So she and I both were like, we need to take a step back from this, figure out what's going on with me. And she did this whole deep dive and we ended up healing it with an anti-inflammatory diet. When I came back and did the thermography, the lump was gone. But she at that time was, you know, doing her own studying and research and she started her Monarch Nutrition and selling um, her products. And so there was this little gap where I was working a different job. And then when Mila was born, I started working for the business and she and I and my sister um, have grown that business exponentially in the past five years. But this long story short, I I help these people all the time. You know, I have to know about keto diets and people with diabetes and autoimmune issues and can they eat this item or this ingredient. So I started to realize 
as I was researching all of this, though, how much it applied to my pregnancy. So I gained about 40 pounds with my pregnancy and I started off slightly underweight. So it wasn't really like that was this huge amount of weight, but I just didn't feel good during my pregnancy. And every time I ate sugar, I would feel really sick. And I had kind of naturally gone on a low carb diet during my pregnancy. So then when Mila was born, I was used to this really athletic lifestyle. I hit the gym really hard. I experienced like, you know, my milk supply drastically dropped when I started doing all these intense exercises. And I I thought I was eating enough. But in reality, knowing what I know now, I wasn't hydrating enough. I wasn't eating enough calories to support my my body. So long story short, next pregnancy, I think there are there are a lot of things that I would do differently. I think the primary one would be making sure that I protect myself from outside stress because I can definitely see how I was just go, go, go. I worked two jobs. It was just I was constantly going. And I think the aftermath of that really affected me, you know, just like feeling tired, all of these things, which is normal. Right. Like you just gave birth. I was like, you just, yeah, you just grew a human. No big deal. All of your hormones are out of whack. Like I talked to so many of my friends who um, had babies and they talk about postpartum and they were like, no, no, like it's not postpartum care is not talked about. And it's not just like these tuck pads and down there, it's like your hair, people's hair falls out and then they wake up in the middle of the night sweating and then they have anxiety. And then this is like, I hear this from almost every single one of my friends and I'm like, what the heck is happening? Because I mean, is it, I mean, I'm assuming it's all hormonal. I'd say generally speaking, yes, because you have such this huge, you have all of these pregnancy hormones that your body's trying to filter out and then your prolactin picks up because then you're breastfeeding and then there's this other major biological shift, which is everyone is unique. I personally got a serious fever um, after I had Mila. It was like two days and I I have an I have an immune system that responds with fevers. I just get them when something's like my immune system's trying to fight something off. And it was because my milk was coming in. And like, how would you know? And the next morning my milk was in and my fever was gone and my body it was functioning like it needed to. It was a healthy reaction, but we just don't know about this stuff, right? And so to talk about like postpartum care, I think that I had an idea too that I needed to get back into shape and I needed to, you hear the word snap back a lot. Mm -hmm. And there was all of these things in my young 23 year old brain, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm going to get back in shape. And, you know, I want to wear cute outfits with my daughter and, you know, Instagram worthy, all those things. And next time around, I just I just want to be. I don't want to put those expectations on myself. Um I just want to nourish my body, take the rest. It's okay if I don't get back into shape right away and just take the time. And then you know when I'm done 
having that child breastfeeding, then I can get back to where I want to be. There's all the time in the world after that baby's done breastfeeding. There's no rush. So I think that would be some of the things I would do differently. Yeah. And again, we don't know until we know. So thank you for sharing those things because I think that people, again, with the expectations, they they come from so many different places and it's, I find that it's most of my people that I talk to, I'm like, wow, this is normal. Like to go through so many ups and downs of emotions and your body and all of this stuff, but all of them kind of have the theme of like, it feels abnormal. Right. And I think that again, with that word again, shame, and it's (laughs) like, dude, you just popped out a human and your body stretched and grew and changed and all of these things happened. And it, and then it's like you said, bounce back or whatever it is, whatever that looks like, what your body is always going to be different. And some women, they have that ability, but you think about nine months growing this child, it's almost a year. At least give yourself that amount of time to slowly try to like let your hormones balance. And, you know, if you you want to start exercising, great. Just, you know, make sure your calories are high enough. I just a lot of women, even you'll hear they say, oh, well, I'm going to lose the weight because I'm breastfeeding. But you actually have a higher caloric demand during that time frame. It's not a weight loss hack. It's not a life hack to lose weight. It's your body needing more energy to sustain your child. So, and I don't think we think about it like that. You know, no one would ever deprive their child. But you hear a lot of people, they have breastfeeding problems. They have milk production problems. These are all common issues. And I'd say that it does come back to what are we setting ourselves up, our expectations, and we're probably putting more pressure on ourselves than we realize to lose the weight, to restrict calories, because what do they tell us to do? Cut Mm -hmm. your calories, Mm -hmm. work out, you know, get your body back. (laughs) Yeah. And meanwhile, you're feeding yourself and a human if that's if a person chooses to breastfeed. Um, But even if they don't choose to breastfeed, there's still that less sleep. There's well, still there's so much happening. Care. Yes, everything changes. Like there's so right. many dynamics and not that like there's a one size or one pill or whatever fits all. But like, what are some things that people can do to start incorporating some of that nutrition or nourishment back into their bodies after giving birth? Um, I think the biggest thing. So your body needs to be supported with adequate protein to make progesterone. A lot of women experience a significant suppression in progesterone because their prolactin levels are coming up. And even if they don't breastfeed, there is a period most women are making milk. And so you're going to experience this in some form where your prolactin comes up and your progesterone is suppressed. So understanding what foods feed progesterone production in your body. I mean, going into a pregnancy, having muscle on your body is excellent for progesterone production, but postpartum, you know, protein quality, um, grass finished meats, free range chicken, good eggs. Those are all wonderful things to add. 
Um, and then also I personally supplement with beef, beef liver. It's really high in B vitamins. Your body needs the amino acids and the B vitamins from, in my belief, animal products <laughs> to sustain progesterone production. And it can make a huge difference. Um, another thing is proper hydration. And I'm not talking like water. I'm, I'm talking like what, what minerals are you consuming? Some people do this in the form of bone broth. Um, it's high in minerals. You can drink organic teas. We've talked about red raspberry leaf tea or nettle tea as a way to like get more vitamins into your diet. I personally rarely drink straight water. I will use like remineralizing drops to add more nutrients to my water. So hydration is a really big deal, though. Fruits are another excellent way to hydrate. Um so just making sure that your calories are high enough and that your protein intake is adequate enough. A lot of people, I think, are thinking carbs equal energy, but for progesterone production, it's really relying on that protein intake. Yeah. And like listening to your body, right? Yes. You know, like listening to your body and start having those conversations with people. Hey, like ask somebody, did you ever deal with this or this after you gave birth? Or did this ever happen? Because I feel like, you know, people don't talk about it with each other enough. And asking or inquiring, somebody might have said, oh, hey, you know what? I did deal with this. And I started eating this or this supplement or incorporating this into my and it helped me. And but if you're just silently, you know, suffering, right. And you know something's off in your body, whether it's emotionally or physically, like you know something off is off, but you just keep it to yourself because you're like, okay, this I'm making this up. No, you know your body better than you think you do. And it could be something talk to a doctor about, talk to a friend about, start researching. Like you, you know, you do a lot of research. You listen to podcasts. Um, what are some of the things I, that you like to listen and read? I like to so one of the Really, one of my favorite um, podcasts is the Weston Price Foundation podcast, and it's there's a whole foundation called the Weston Price Foundation, and there's different chapters throughout America. It's a very well respected um, source of information. They promote an animal based ancestral diet, which is primarily raw milk, raw milk kefir, grass finished meats, raw cheese, um, fermented vegetables, fermented uh, kefir is obviously a fermented milk product, bone broth, quality protein sources, like kind of taking it back to what our diets used to be before industrialization and we have so many preservatives and additives in our food now and sugar, all of these things that are added in. So I've, I really love that source for information, but I also, I read a lot of different books and there's another OBGYN. Her name is Dr. Jamie Seaman. She wrote, or she has an Instagram handle, Dr. Fit and Fabulous, and she has a podcast. It's very informative. And I love that she is a naturopathic OBGYN because there's, she's really tailoring her wisdom to women. And she covers menopause. She covers postpartum. She covers PCOS, endometriosis. So if I had to list like 
two sources to really get some good information, which a lot of her work is also based off of some fundamentals that the Weston Price Foundation and Dr. Price started. Yeah, I'll ask you for those links, too, and I'll make sure to put them in the bio. Um, And then also, like, where can people find your guys's business food, like all of the stuff you make? Because it's bomb. So you can find us in all of the Sully's Chevrons here in town in Bakersfield, California. And then we also supply um, the Shell on L and 23rd and the Mesa Marin also Chevron. So all the way out towards the mouth of the canyon. And we though that is specifically our keto and gluten-free products. And then we have our sourdough bread that you can find at Wooddale Meats at the corner of Ming and Buena Vista, which I brought you a loaf today. I know. And, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> and we deliver that every Wednesday and Friday. Um, yeah, we didn't even get into your crazy sourdough bread business. Jocelyn, you're like a little pocket knife. Like what are the little Swiss army knife? <laughs> a jack of all trades. Yeah. Single mom. Bam. Business. Bam. Bread. Bam. All this knowledge about women's health. Bam, bam. Right. It's like you're just so eclectic. Well, thank you. I do think they're all encompassing, though, as funny as it is. Like yeah, I agree. the bread is a fermented product. So, of course, you know that is a fermented food. It's an ancestral food. So it's properly sourced grains, which I think is really important for us to understand like what the processing used to be with foods to make it more assimilable for our body. I think that's the right word. And then also what it is now to avoid it. Mm -hmm. And I think personally, also postpartum, all of those additives and those things that you're eating play a heavy role in like how you're feeling, how your body's functioning. And one other tip I would give every mother, instead of hitting the gym, if you're tired, go outside in the sun. The sun is so healing. It's so restoring. There's so many benefits. Take a, take a walk. Yeah. walk. Walking is one of the best exercises I've been learning too. And I think that yes. you're right. We have it in our minds that we have to be so aggressive. And it's yeah. just like, just move your body. You don't need to go kill it in the gym. If you're breastfeeding and you're tired and you've got kids and, you know, a husband to take care of, these are all a lot of things. All you need to do, go lay out in the sun or with your baby for a little bit, have a picnic. I mean, there's so many ways to take care of our health that isn't this stereotypical. Let me go into a gym, which is not exposed to sunlight. There's all kinds of germs and do some HIIT workout that spikes my cortisol and I don't feel well after that because and, and that can be okay for some people in certain times. But like what you said earlier, listen to your body. I do believe our intuition knows yeah, what we need. Yeah, I know there's, man, we've had endless conversations about the food industry. And it's funny because when we, I get overwhelmed I will read an article and then I'll read something else and it says something completely opposite. And then it's like, okay, well, this workout is good for these, for this. And this workout is the best. And this diet is the best. And then I'm just like, 
screw it all. I'm going to get a cheeseburger. Right. And so it's just like, because it feels just so daunting. Right. And you don't know who to believe and you don't know how to trust who to trust. But I think that like a good rule of thumb is, is this real food? And can my body actually process it? Right. Because at the end of the day, I started going down rabbit holes recently about estrogen. And we, yes. we were talking about this yesterday because um, for those listening, I, I have stage three endometriosis. Or I was diagnosed several years ago and I've had a lot of hormonal things. And infertility is one of the many things that um, one of the symptoms of it. And um, I started reading this article. It actually has led me um, to an article from Instagram. It was talking about BPAs. And how initially BPAs was, I can't remember the long name that BPA stands for. Don't even get me started. Yes. It's long. I don't remember. Bio blah, 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 blah. And BPAs was actually initially used as a birth control. Yes. And then they realized that it could be monetized. And so then they started making plastics and plastic is where everywhere. Yeah, we drink our water out of plastic. We uh, keep our food stored in plastic. Most of our food is packaged in plastic. I mean, it's astounding how much plastic there is. I mean, even I was just reading, sorry to break this news to you ladies that love Lululemon, but they actually use a lot of plastics in their clothing and which of course that makes sense it's spandex like but and it's not to say you need to go throw out all your lululemon but we don't think about how much exposure we have our skincare products are in plastic like there's so many things all my vitamins yes even the quality ones (laughs) i'm just (laughs) i'm just thinking about that right now i'm like plastics are everywhere and it's funny because people I have a sister-in-law who's been really trying to go like plastic free. I can't remember. Like, yes. And um, it's hard. Very hard. Because of how, like you said, everything is packaged. And one of the small things that she does, she actually takes her own glass containers to like the bulk food stores and gets her food, you know, that way. That and is I'm like, dedication. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's so wild. But I also think like it, because our society makes it so difficult, but then I, and then I got mad because I was like, if it's so harmful, BPAs, then why is it everywhere? And obviously we were talking about the infertility rates and how they've skyrocketed. Yes. Clearly there's something going on, whether it's we can't just blame only BPAs, but it's, it's a factor. Of, it's a factor <laughs> and among many factors. And um all I'm all I'm saying with this, we're again with the rabbit holes. We we're going all we're over going this deep. place. We're we're going all over. We're gonna be these weirdos again. This but was your rabbit hole. This was my <laughs> rabbit hole because you're here and I've been upset about it for three days since uh, I found out about how it just It is frustrating. Uh, but you know, the thing is we're never gonna eliminate everything toxic, but we can support our body. And I think like instead of fighting ourselves and being like oh, we need to get back into shape. We need this. And these are all things that we're fighting our body what it wants to do, right? Our body wants to rest after having a baby. Our body wants to feed that baby. It doesn't really want to go kill itself to go lose weight on top of all of these other functions it's trying to do. If we just actually like tune into ourselves and actually support it, what does my body need for nutrition right now? What even like we're talking about plastics, all of these other things, something I found I cut out sugar out of my diet. My skin loved it. 
my skin does so well with not having sugar in my diet. And they're same thing with skincare products. You kind of can tell. Does your skin hurt after you wear your makeup for the day? It's not it's really not that hard to kind of tell what's affecting you. You know, Um, maybe you went out to eat somewhere and you didn't feel good the next day. You have brain fog. Why? Ask yourself the question, what did I eat? I mean, most foods are cooked in canola oil, seed oils. They're very inflammatory. Maybe that's bothering you. You know, it's it's kind of like using that cause and effect thinking. Yeah, and it is. It's taking that time just to do the work. I think like everything we've talked about today kind of boils down to that. You have to do the work, whether it's in your in your walk with the Lord, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your relationships, you have to be willing to do the work. And I think that if we want like a well balanced, fulfilling life, the the things that we do is what's going to make it abundant, right? Like one day I hope to have kids and I want to be healthy and feel well. Right. Right. And there's always factors that we can't control, but there are some things that we can, that we can at least make it a little bit better, less, uh, yeah. brain fog, you know, stuff like that. And when we're young, we don't feel a lot of these symptoms yet. And you start to feel it the closer. You, I mean, I'm almost 30 years old, start to feel things a lot differently. But considering longevity, because let's just say you don't feel good. You've just had a child. You want to get back in shape. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But what are you setting yourself up for when you're 50? How are you going to feel during menopause with how you're treating your body today? I think these are really important questions to ask ourselves because one day we're going to be there and we're going to wish we thought about this at this age, right? And when you're pregnant, growing a child, they're depleting you of tons of nutrients and minerals and vitamins that you need. The first thing you should be doing is trying to replenish your body in that way, Um, not further depletion with strict weight loss, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's the key though, nourishment. Right. I love that word. It sounds so comforting. I, it's almost like comfort food. You think about it and it's like, oh, safe, secure, trying to make your body feel those things. And what's so fascinating about it is most of the time women find their body lets go of weight naturally when it's nourished because it's like, oh, I don't need this. I'm not in survival mode. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, Jocelyn, I love you. Love you too, friend. Thank you so much for coming on and for just talking about your life and who you are as a person. I think you're amazing and I'm so proud of you and I'm so (laughs) happy to know you and I'm so excited for everything that's to come. Um, But I will talk to you soon. I'll see you later.